What's good, everybody? It's your man, The Voice. And this episode of The Voice Speaks is going to be a little bit different. I had the distinct pleasure of teaching Bible class for my church, Relationship Church. But the pastor is Ryan Neal. Because of COVID-19, we are holding our services virtually through Zoom. So as the service was going on, or just as Bible class was going on, I threw the recorder on to capture everything, put a little something on it the way I normally do, and I'm presenting it to you all. This study will be over Matthew chapter 5 and 7 uh, not starting at the beginning starting with verse 17 that gets cut off a little bit in the recording so I wanted to make sure you are aware of what it is and what's going on soon we'll return with our study of David's life but taking a little detour today So I hope that you enjoy things. And this one's a little lengthy because our Bible class is an hour long. So I would definitely suggest if you're anything like me running it at one and a half times the speed, if you can process it that quickly, just so that you're not um, there all day. Enough of my banter. Next up, you will hear the Bible class and pray that it blesses you. Until next time, God bless and keep it together. Five. And we're going to start with the 17th verse and just kind of do a bit of a walk through the Bible. Uh, I was sharing before. Some of you all logged on. I'm a bit scurvous right now. A little scared, a little nervous. Uh, so I, I beseech your prayers. Not quite sure how things are going to go, uh, but I am surrendering myself to the Lord and praying that his will be done through me and that you all get something uh, something good out of what he wants to say through me and has given to me. All right. Verse 17 through 20 says do not think that I have come I'm sorry I'm reading from the new international version let me switch this to the new King James so I can be in line with what we're used to reading from says do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets I did not come to destroy but fulfill for surely I say to you till heaven and earth pass away one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven So I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, I'm sorry, the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom 
of heaven. The people who believe that they are, or I should say, there are a number of people today that are being exposed to the word in different forms. You know, there are different interpretations and, and things and different things about the Lord's word are being brought to light. And even before that, you have certain people who believe that they are uh, Israelite. I'm not saying that uh, they may or may not be Israelites, but I'm speaking specifically like of the Hebrew Israelites right now. Uh, not those who proclaim Christ, but those who have said, yes, I, I believe that I am uh, Hebrew. I believe I am uh, one of the tribes. Not saying that that's not the case, uh, but they are burdening themselves with the law. They're trying to keep the law. And Jesus tells us here clearly that he doesn't come to destroy, but to fulfill the law. And when he fulfilled the law, he made us free of the law. We're no longer bound by it. So uh, we don't have to worry about the dietary laws. We don't have to worry about some of the other laws because a, a great big portion of those who or I should say a big issue for those who are trying to follow the law is that if you break one of them, you've broken the whole thing. And it's well over like 600 laws. So it's just really kind of difficult to keep up with all of that. And the law really was created to show us our sin more so than to to be slaves unto it. Now, again, we shouldn't be get caught up in trying to follow the laws, per se, outside of the uh, greatest commandment that the Lord has given us and said uh, it sums up all of the laws. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Outside of that, if you're looking to do that in every way, then you're fulfilling the law. The scribes and Pharisees miss a lot of this because of their traditions. Uh, Ryan spoke a couple weeks ago about bumper laws, things that aren't quite biblical, but they're really close to things that the Bible says. And it kind of goes over and above what the Bible says. Bible says don't add to or take away from the word and because when we do then we get in trouble this is what happened with the scribes and the Pharisees where they they, they really took things to another level um, and even those who live in Israel today will they'll kind of show remnants of that for instance I was listening to a podcast not too long ago and one of the, or I should say the person who was speaking, talked about traveling to Israel and how the Jews there will pay people to do stuff like open the door for them and, and, and other things, follow them around and do stuff as a means of trying to keep the Sabbath. That's being really like extreme regarding things. And this is how our false interpretation or our misrepresentation of the law can take us into these things and that's where the scribes and the pharisees were that's why they miss all the things that jesus was coming to do and miss the fact that he was god it was because they were looking to him to come and do things according more so to their traditions than to what the word of god said or their traditions were um they, they put them 
or I should say they read the word through their traditions. Anyway, let's uh, let's keep going. Verse 21. You've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever's angry with a brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. I'm going to stop there. Um, pretty much as we're reading through this, he's saying that much of this, and we'll see this as we continue to go through uh, this passage today, that much of this is dealing with the heart of man. So he's saying, if you're angry, look at that like murder because of how your heart views things. If you are dealing with lust, look at that like adultery because of where your heart is. It's all about the heart. And it's something that I don't know if our pastor has been intentionally helping us to focus on through a number of the memory verses. But that's been a running theme. Is the heart? Where is your heart? How are you viewing things uh, through your heart? Where, where's your heart regarding the actions that you're taking? Um, here is talking also about being a fool. Now, went and looked at the word a little bit more, and it doesn't mean fool like we think fool. You know, it's, oh, you know, you're being a fool, you know, or something of that nature. No, it, it was a lot deeper than that. It, it wasn't just foolishness but godlessness you have no concept of god and that word fool comes from the word moros which is the same word that we get uh or i should say it's the same root that we get the word moron from and a moron is the highest class of a feeble-minded person i mean it's just like your brain is not there whatsoever if you go a little further uh into entomology so you're looking at where the word comes from what its root is moros comes from the word mis uh mysterion which is where we get the word mystery from you know it's about the hidden things the secret things uh, generally uh things that religious sects only have like it's only for the initiated ones and and things of that nature which goes into or i should say it really helps to uncover how deep this word fool is you can't know it because you're not on the proper level to know it you can't know it because you're not in this this circle per se and again going into it even further um from the next level down when you when you really look at that word um, it comes from, I want to say it's muo, which means pretty much shut your mouth. And a lot of times when you're calling someone a fool, you're doing that as a means of shutting their mouth. You're doing that as a means of saying, look, you're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. Be quiet and think about it. A lot of times when you say fool, generally the next words out of your mouth is shut up. It's something that's said to make someone be quiet. But in this sense, specifically, it's be quiet. You don't know God. 
you can't know God. There's no way in the world that you can know who God is. And the only one who knows our hearts and knows our relationship is God. And on top of that, Jesus came to save the world from their sins. Who are we to try to shut people off from getting to what he died for? So, you know, just some things to think about when uh, when you hear that word fool come about. All right. Also, j just with that, when you think of, of people using that word fool, you know, make, trying to make people shut up, it's a manipulative thing. They have their own agenda. And we know that when people are manipulating or attempting to manipulate someone else for their own agenda, there's a word for that. We call it witchcraft. At the heart of doing that is a desire to control. That's really what the spirit of witchcraft is. So we have to be mindful and careful because of things that we've endured in life, because of situations that we've been in. There's a part of us that wants and feels a need to be in control. And there's things that we do necessarily need, or I should say there are things that we will need to control, but we have to be careful that we're not manipulating others in order to gain that control. God gave us free will and he gave it to us for a reason. He gave it to us because he wants us to follow him freely. Even he does not force and make and manipulate us to do certain things. He wants us to, to choose him freely. So therefore, we should not look to force and manipulate others. Should we use our words and use our, um, our knowledge to provide influence and to safeguard people? Absolutely. We should be sharing with them, hey, look, don't go here. Don't do this. Don't don't try to do those things because this is what the outcome is. And we can plead with them. But manipulating and controlling, that's another story. All right, let's continue to read. We'll pick up with verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him lest your adversary de deliver you to the judge the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison assuredly i say to you you will by no means get out of there till you paid the last penny one thing at least uh kind of going back a little bit that really grabbed my attention in going through this passage was that if your brother has something against you that that's something i never paid attention to says if your brother has something against you and again this is going back to your heart and dealing with your heart doesn't say if you have something against your brother no if your brother has something against you leave everything don't give your offering or you know don't try to do your sacrifices you know don't even really try to come see me until you first do right by and try to make amends with the person that you see the Bible tells us that, you know, or, or says, how can we say that we love 
God who we can't see when we don't love our brother who we uh, can see. I don't know if I said that right or not. We can't see God. We can't see our brother. That's what I meant to say. So if I said it great, if not, now I did say it. We have to love them. And this is really dealing with that love. If they ha- if they have something against you, not necessarily anything that you know, oh, I'm mad at them because uh, they kick my dog and 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 I love my dog and that's wrong for them to kick my dog. And it is. But no, if you've done something, then you need to stop what you're doing and go make amends with them. Or if they believe you've done something, you need to make amends with them. Also, uh, it's dealing with with uh, going to going before uh, um, the legal system in the last couple of scriptures now we know Ryan uh, Ryan makes his money in the legal system uh, but it's saying as far as brothers and sisters of Christ you should look to fix it before you take it to that level see if there's any way that you all can come to an agreement before it gets to a legal uh, point not saying that law is wrong or that you don't need to have uh, that in place uh, no that's not the, the case but when it comes to dealing with your brother and sister in the Lord see if you can get that fixed before um, before you get to that point all right I don't know that I'm gonna read through all of the rest of the scriptures because you still have two chapters to go and about uh, 30 minutes left so um, we may not skip around but jump to some other things all right let's go down to verse 42 just to to, uh, keep things moving along actually we'll start with 38 you've heard it said or should say you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye, two for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to him who asks of you from him who wants to borrow from you and do not turn away. We've spoken about this before, uh, Ryan has, and I have as well, that the Lord is not necessarily telling you to um, to lay down and, and take abuse and things of that nature. No, that's not what the word is saying, but it's saying, and again, dealing with your heart in the matter. If you're being compelled to do something, or you know, do it with the proper heart, do it with the proper attitude, do it with the proper mindset. Don't think so highly of yourself that you can't take down uh, for the Lord. And I know Ryan often says, you know, make sure that, you know, you have something that you can give to help uh, those who give. And, you know, when they come to you, excuse me, try to help them. I'm sure verse 42 here has something to do with why uh, he was saying those things. All right. Uh, continue to go on you've heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say to you love your enemies bless those who curse you 
do good to those who hate you pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust pausing here really quickly this is yet another example and yet another scripture that you can take to the bank as far as God loving us yet we're going through we have just messed up the word of God and and made it what it's not and saying with it that if God loves you if you love God and if you're in right standing with him then everything's going to be right in your life and there's going to be no trouble and if you're having trouble then there must be sin kind of like what happened uh, with Job and the story of Job tells us that's not the case Uh, again this scripture helps us to know that though we love the Lord it doesn't mean and it doesn't exempt us from having to go through different things the sun rises on the good just like it will rise on the evil it will rain on the just as well as on the unjust all right um verse 48 just kind of again trying to get to uh, everything else that we've got here uh says therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect that perfection that is being spoken of is a complete nature it's not be perfect because we cannot be perfect the only perfect being ever is god we work to be like him but this word perfect here means complete so we, we need to look to be complete in god We need to look to mature in him, to grow in him, just like Jesus in his human body uh, grew in the fear and admonition of, of God. Likewise, we need to grow and mature in God as well. All right. Chapter six. Verse one says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. And they I'm sorry that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, of course, your left and right hand knows what they're doing because they're a part of the body. But it's just saying, do it in such a way that nobody around you knows what's going on. That your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. This is really a good scripture to keep in mind as we are looking to use the gifts and the talents that God has given us to bless him, especially when it comes to giving. You know, if you're uh, doing something to, to help a um, to help a elderly person, you know, don't take a bunch of pictures of it and, and put it on all online. See, look, look at what I'm doing. No, uh-uh. that's how the hypocrites do it so that they get praise from men. Oh, you did such a, a great job. Yes, I did. Thank you. 
you know, and, and you've got your praise right there. You know, you're only doing United Way dinners, uh, you know, and, and only doing other things like that. No. And re really what it reminded me of when I was reading through the scripture was uh, a situation many, many moons ago where I was at uh, the Pentecostal Sims of the World Convention. And a lot of people don't know it, but a number of artists uh, have come out of the same belief system, the same faith that uh, we have. One of them who, excuse me, I know was at least a licensed minister, may have been an ordained elder, I'm not sure, but I know at least had a license, uh, is Stanley Burrell, you know him as MC Hammer. Hammer showed up at the convention and dropped like $10,000 in the offering. How and why do I know that? Because they announced that he put $10,000 in the offering. That's great, but he's got his reward versus just doing it and, and saying, hey, keep it, you know, keep it on the, the, on the low and allowing the Lord to bless him. He got his glory from it by them saying that this was received. Anyway, let, let's keep going. So again, as you're giving, make sure that you're giving with the proper heart and not to be seen of men, but so that God can get the glory. Verses five through eight. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I have a question for everyone, so um, you can put this into chat or do uh, so, so, something else. But I just want to know you, what you think of when you hear the word mantra. What comes to your mind? I should have said earlier that, that we were going to try to be a bit interactive uh, today. So what comes to your mind when I say the word mantra? I'm going to do you all like I do at work. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't hear. I can't hear when everybody's talking at one time. Just one person at a time. Say something. It's kind of hard to read all this stuff that's going on because uh, you all are all chatting at the same time. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, hint, hint. Okay, there we go. Uh, Professor Tiffany said meditation. Jessica said a repeated word. Uh, anyone else had okay ryan says something that you say to yourself over and over again a concept that you live by absolutely uh a thought music okay i thought music mantra was music there are some uh some things musically that uh that can be like with mantra style you think of specifically uh the benedictine monks you know, you'll, you'll hear uh, their things where they're doing their singing. And I know I'm doing a horrible job and I can't sing either, but um, they're singing the same things over and over again in a 
uh, meditative fashion. It is indeed uh, something that you uh, meditate on, something that's protected. Okay, uh, all those are, are excellent. Let me tell you what I found as far as the meaning of mantra. And this was really uh, eye-opening for me. From those who practice yoga, their definition of mantra is supposedly to adjust your vibrations by uh, using a mantra is, is something that makes you more alert and aware. It's something that can overcome karma, things of that nature. And a mantra is simply a word or, or uh a statement that you say over and over and over and over and over again, which is what the Lord was instructing us not to do, not to pray like the heathens, not to pray per se like those who practice yoga. And you're using this mantra to uh, make sure that your chakra is in line with your third eye and your fifth toe and whatever else um, that that's stated. But that's what a mantra is supposed to do. It's supposed to keep you you in line, your vibrations in line. Now, witches also use mantra kinds of things when they say they're incantations. And they say that they use it to memorize and to focus on thought. All of this stuff is a perversion of what the Lord gave us in his word, which he says that we are to meditate on it. We... Uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says keep this book of law always on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful so all this stuff all these empty vain babblings that the heathens do is a counterfeit it's really close to what the meditation was created for but instead of meditating on the word of god they're meditating on other things and trying to bring about uh, a peace and an awareness and a thoughtfulness that meditating on the word of god is supposed to give you only god got we know that god's word is what brings life those other things again it's counterfeit so uh, make sure that as you are meditating, that you meditate as the word tells us to, that we meditate on him. We meditate on his word so that we can have life and not death. All right. I'm going to jump down to verse 24. So verse 24 says that no man can serve two masters for either he will hate one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon and again this is just for the sake of time I'm hoping that um, I don't that I'm able to get everything out and yeah this should help us with doing that but anyway this is God and mammon when we look at the scripture in some different versions, the word mammon means money, that you cannot serve God and money. Now, those of us who are in a relationship, have ever been in a relationship, 
we want the time and the attention of our significant other. Do any of you all want your significant other to have a side piece? You know, they're, they're with you, but then uh, when they leave you, they, they, you know, every so often they go spend time uh, with someone else and give them their love and affection. I don't think I see, you know, I'm, I'm looking to see if anyone's raised their hand in the participant mode. And yeah, I don't see anyone who's, who's done that that says, yes, I want the person that I love and that I'm giving my affection to taking and giving their, that love and affection that should be for me to someone else. Well, when we when we are not looking to serve God and we're, we're serving money or we're serving our desires, we're serving our um, our position as far as as our status in life. You know, we're, we're serving uh, our namesake. We're serving our legacy. We're not serving God. We are, as it says in the book of Revelations, we are the bride of Christ. We are his betrothed that he paid the price for just as in those days you, you had a dowry. You had to give a certain amount of money in order to secure your bride, in order to take on the person that uh, you love and that you want to spend your life with. The dowry for us as the bride of Christ was paid through the shedding of his blood. He doesn't want us serving or looking to serve anyone or anything else. He says he's a jealous God, that he'll give his glory to none other. And when we're serving other things, we then give the glory to them because we're saying my bank account is what keeps me safe. My uh, the, the money that I have on the stock market, uh, my job and my ability to make money is what provides for these things. Now, granted, there's a bit of truth to all of that. However, the the greater part of this is that, yes, all those things do help. Having money in the bank, having a job and or having the skills to go about uh, creating things that people want and need, um, you know, having good investments, all of that does provide a level of security but if God did not give you the job if he did not give you the ability to make and do the things that you did if he did not help you with choosing uh, the proper stocks and things of that nature you wouldn't have it the Bible says that he's the one that gives us the ability to make wealth or to have wealth to attain wealth he's the one so often we get focused on the uh, the creation versus the creator, the provision versus the provider. And he is reminding us in this scripture that you cannot multitask when it comes to your heart, when it comes to where your loyalty and your allegiances lie. We may want to, we may think that we can because you know, it feels good. It scratches the itch that we have to, to be self-reliant and self-dependent, which is how we as mankind got into all the mess that we got into because we didn't want to do what God said. We wanted to do what we thought we wanted to do to, to be our own gods versus following God. But he's letting us know we can't do it. It's impossible. 
it's impossible to serve both God and money. All right, let's uh, continue on. I'm going to read. We'll read through the, the remainder of the chapter. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows you need all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Right now, I don't know about you all, but this passage is so comforting. We are in a state of turmoil and unrest that we have never seen as far as our generation is concerned. Now, those who live through the Great Depression, those who experienced the Spanish flu, you know, over 100 years ago. Yeah, they've been through these kind of things. But the vast majority of the people living on the world today has not experienced those kinds of things. Have we had trouble? Yeah, we have. We've had the Great Recession. Uh, we had the the uh, the 80s and the recession that went along with that and the crack epidemic and things of that nature. We've gone through uh, the different things, the, the oil embargo in the 70s and having to uh, be in line to get gas and things of that nature. We've had troubles, but we haven't really had them like this. But this scripture, again, is so encouraging. We don't have to worry about our food and our clothing and our, and our homes. Or I should say where, where we're going to live. The Lord will take care of all of those things where we need to put our focus and our energy is into what he says, seeking him, seeking him with everything we have, looking to be righteous. Then those other things that we need. And that's one thing that this is showing us. We're, we're you know, we say, oh, you, well, I, I need, you know, this amount of clothing or I need this kind of a vehicle. We realize I don't need any of those things. I need to be able to get from A to B. I need to make sure that I have something to eat. I need to make sure that I'm not, you know, naked. I need to make sure I have a roof over my head, but it's really helping us to see the difference between need and want. Not that he won't give us some of our wants, but he promised above all to supply 
our needs according to his riches and glory. All right, let's continue. Chapter 7, let me read verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, there's a plank in your eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And we're going to stop there. So uh, just verses one through five. <laughs> this is so, so very important for us, especially those of us who have been walking with the Lord for a while. God is good. He's delivered a number of us from so many things. And unfortunately, we in the church get what I like to call spiritual amnesia. We forget about all the stuff that the Lord brought us out of. We forget about how miserable we were when we were in bondage. We forget about the fact that some of the things that we are uh, turning up our nose at are the very same things that the Lord has delivered us from. This scripture itself is not dealing with judges like we were talking about the, the legal system before. It's not what it's dealing with. It's dealing with being judgmental. And something that came to my mind as I was going through and studying this uh, was a, uh, a very public um, occurrence that really falls in line with this. Uh, back in the late 80s and into the early 90s, uh, there was a, a scandal, a, a, actually a couple scandals that rocked the religious world. Uh, it was two Jims, Jim Swaggart and Jim Baker. Jim Baker and Jim Swaggart were both televangelists with the Assemblies of God. Um, Jim Baker lives in Missouri now. He lives in Branson. Um, you know, Jim Swaggart, I forget where he was uh, in the world at that time, but they had thriving, thriving ministries. Baker what uh his ministry was bringing in a million dollars a day at one point and jimmy swagger was broadcast to over three thousand different channels at one point uh within his ministry uh, jim baker had they both uh baker and swagger had a public um a public fall baker's issue initially was uh a transgression with between himself and his secretary where he um he fell with her uh in a sexual manner you can do the research on all of that we we know that he was wrong because he was married and should not have been engaging in those activities with her uh whose story is true we don't know god does um and he'll judge accordingly when baker fell that also exposed the fact that he was messing with the money that was coming in as well he had two different sets of books and all that was exposed he went to prison 
and lost everything. When that happened, I remember Jim Swagger getting on TV and just reaming Jim Baker, just talking about him bad because of the fall that he had. When Swagger was uh, engaging in the same kind of activity with prostitutes. And he got caught a year later for hiring a prostitute. And then also in 91, got caught with the same uh, kind of activity. How are you going to, let me not say how, it's deplorable that you would not show mercy to your brother for having the same kinds of issues that you have. This is why, you know, it's saying, look, take the, the plank. I, in some uh, versions, this is the, the law. I think of it like a telephone pole. Take the telephone pole out your eye before you try to help somebody with the speck that's in theirs. As uh, verse five says, you'll be able to see clearly to help them with that speck if you get the telephone pole that's out your, that's in your eye out. You're gonna knock them in the head with the pole that you got coming out your eye trying to help them with a little something. So as the uh, the old song by the Williams Brothers says, sweep around your own front door before you start trying to sweep around someone else's. And be mindful of the fact that you've got your own stuff. We all have shortcomings and we need to think about that as we view other shortcomings and be prayerful for them. All right, for the sake of time, let's jump down to verse 21, which says, not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name, have we not cast out demons? In your name, have we not done many wonders? in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness uh says ye who work iniquity uh in some other versions uh pastor willie j uh, willie g baylor the founder of faith miracle temple uh said many many times and anyone who has ever spent time in faith miracle temple uh, knows what I'm going to say because uh, his children repeat it often. But he says that God is the only one who will fire you and let you keep on working. These people are doing great works for God or have done great works for God. And he says, I don't know you. Get, get on away. And it, it really... It really is amazing and it, it's so important for us to keep this in mind. We ought not to really be praying, Lord, I, and that, that's a prayer of so many people. Oh, Lord, I just want to be used by you. Lord, use me. Yeah, we want to be used by him, but more importantly than being used by him, Lord, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. I want to walk with you. I want to walk in your ways more so than being used because you can be used to do a number of wonderful things and still be lost. Moses in Exodus chapter four had just been given the power to do uh, miraculous things. Uh, his hand turned from leprous to whole, uh, making water into blood. 
uh, causing his stick to become a snake and then becoming a stick again. Lord had just gave him all that, was telling him what to go and tell Pharaoh, giving him the mission. You think he's good, yeah, except the Lord met him on the way and was about to kill him and would not have killed him had it not been for his wife seeing what was going on and circumcising his children who had not been circumcised, which is why the Lord was getting ready to take him out. He had given him all of these things, set him on the path to do his work and was going to take him out because he wasn't being obedient. Again, do we want to be used by God? Absolutely. But more importantly, Lord, help me. Help my heart to be in line with you. Help me to, to be obedient to you. Luke chapter 9 verses 1 through 2 says, uh, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure all disease. And he went out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Judas was among the 12 that was sent. When the Lord did all this, Judas was there. He was there living with Jesus, eating with Jesus, learning from Jesus, serving Jesus. But that didn't keep him from being used by Satan to betray Jesus. It's about our hearts. It is about our hearts. It's not so much what we do, but our heart behind it. Is Christ sitting on the throne of your heart? Is he sitting in the place of authority and rule over your thoughts, your will, and your emotions? Let's, uh, read verses 24 through 27, and we'll be done for the evening. Uh, verse 24 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who has built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. We must hear and do as the the, uh, the scripture says, you know, if you hear them and you do them, then you'll be like a person who builds their house on the rock versus one who builds their house on the sand. I'm glad that everyone came to Bible class today. We're about a couple minutes away from being done. We've gone through a lot of scripture and a lot of things, but hearing all this stuff is useless if we don't do it. It's just like building a house on sand. If you've ever been to the beach, you know sand moves with the water. The tide comes in or the, the waves come in. Uh, the sand is in one place. They start going out. The sand is in another place. It's unstable. Now, I want you to imagine having some beautiful beachfront property. I know I would like to have some beachfront property, you know, but you, you're able to just walk out to the beach. You, you see it, you know, all the time. The sun's setting on the water. Oh, it's wonderful. But if it's founded on the beach, when the winds come, when the, the, the storm comes, yeah, your house is going to go down and go down quickly. Doesn't matter how pretty the the view is if you have nowhere to live. Think also of people who uh, may have um, uh, uh, trailers or, or uh, modular homes. Modular homes can be really, really beautiful. I've been in a couple of homes like, man, look at all this stuff. This is wonderful. 
Now, and if you own the land, that's great because you own the land and you got something. But if you don't own the land and you're in that modular, when it comes, and whether you own the land or not, let a tornado come. Let some other kind of major storm come. You are very concerned because it's not attached to anything. It's not stable. It's it's not founded on a foundation. You have nowhere to, to really run and hide. You can go in a room that doesn't have any windows, but you have nothing that's really going to protect you from the storm. So those of us who hear these things and don't do it, it's like having that modular home that's going to have a lot of trouble when the storms come. But if you hear and do them, then we are like those who build their house on the rock. The rock is Jesus. Build it on a firm foundation that can withstand the trials that come our way. Um, that's, yeah, that's it. Just last little part. You all know I work for Enterprise and Hertz is filing for bankruptcy because their model was built on a whole lot of debt. That's, you know, something else as well. Make sure that as you're going and you're doing things that you're choosing the proper model. Uh, they, they have to uh, get a couple weeks just to talk to their creditors to see how they can go about even doing bankruptcy because they're so upside down as far as debt is concerned. Again, that's not the way to go about building your life uh, properly. Let us hear and do the things that God says so that we can have our homes and our lives founded on a rock. Uh, we're open for questions within the last minute or so, if there are any.